Hi, everybody. Shavua Tov. Welcome to another edition of uh, RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast on religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and the coronavirus, as it is now, unfortunately. We're now in our third week of Bidud. Some people are in their fourth or fifth week of Bidud because they self-isolated before. Um, and uh, as it, it, we've internalized this reality, we, we thought we would talk about the issue of the idea of trying to draw theological lessons and religious lessons from, from, uh, from this worldwide event. So the way I would like to phrase the question is as follows. On the one hand, as a, as a modern Orthodox, as a religious Jew, as a modern Orthodox Jew, or let me take it this way, on the, as a religious Jew, to me, it's unfathomable that, that something of this scale, of this worldwide nature, happens in the world, and we don't say, well, there's Yad Hashem involved. That a Kadosh Baruch Hu has a hand in this, or didn't prevent it, or allowed it to happen, that we have to somehow see the hand of God in it. On the other hand, we've been, I've been educated throughout my entire life, you know, it's my responsibility to decide what God wants, i.e., I don't have a Navi, where's the Navi, where's the prophet to come and say, this is the reason that God is bringing this. So I find myself caught between, on the one hand, trying to find meaning, and on the other hand, the, the, the idea that I don't have the hubris of thinking that I should know what God wants. Okay, Molly, solve my problem. Okay, right. I will not solve your problem because um, the problem that you are asking, as of Soloveitchik at the beginning of Kododito Fake, says is because essentially you're, you know, the problem of why bad things happen, which is the heart of the question you're asking, right? Can I answer and can I look and can I search for why bad things happen has been asked as of as from Noah, from Moshe to um, all of our Nevi'im through Eov. Um, it's a human question, and it is maybe the the most difficult question that um, the thinking human asks. The answer, I think, the best approach to your your very real way of asking the question, which is a very good way of asking it, um, which is like, on the one hand, I have this impulse that to to search for meaning, and and, and but on the other hand, I understand that there's something wrong with what I'm doing, and I can't write, quite pinpoint it. I think Rosalovitchik is really the right way to go because is it his answer? Molly, yeah. I would say it's not even that. I would say if I don't find meaning in it, that's a yes. that's religious I, 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 religious malfeasance on my mm -hmm. part. It's yeah. malpractice. How could okay. I not try to find religious right. meaning? And I would even add to that: it's not just religious malfeasance; it's human malfeasance. Because my my belief is that humans are meaning speaking meaning seeking species. We are mm hired -hmm. to find meaning, um, and it, perhaps that's even one of our greatest um, like. Uh, missions in the world and and part of what what we're meant to do in this world. So um, I, I would say so. So the classic way I've always answered the question has been in the language of Rav Soloveitchik. And and since last week when you said you wanted to talk about it, I've been thinking about it deeper. And I want to add another new way of answering the question, which I I because I've been trying to think a little bit more deeply about this from um, not just through the classical Jewish sources. So Rav Soloveitchik's answer, I think many of us know. I'll just kind of walk us through it very as quickly as possible. He says, um, he says the fool goes the path of trying to find a, what is the reason, right? He asks the what question, right? No, sorry. He asks the why did question, exactly, mm -hmm. right? He asks the why did this happen question. He, and Rosalvechik actually fascinatingly puts that into a category of somebody who is um, um, basically 
he's trying to resolve his own fears, so he wants to get a why to calm himself down, but 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 Rafsalich doesn't have a lot of good things to say about a person who does that. He, he, he says that that's like an that's actually um, very passive and not productive at all. Um, and he says, you, when you do that, you do a tremendous, tremendous, um, he, uh, he didn't use the word ra, right? It's like wrong to do that because what he says is ultimately when you do that, what you're basically saying is this thing isn't bad because, right? It looks bad because it, seem, it feels bad because people are sad that these bad things are happening, but really it's good because um, God has reasons, right? And if Soloveitchik says doing that is a crime, essentially, um, because to tell someone that their suffering is not bad, it's actually good, is is a moral outrage, right? And mm-hmm. that is a really important point, right? And I think that's our human instinct of, like, why we get so affronted um, by, by, by people trying to say, this is why, right? It's, it's, it's a moral outrage against the sufferer, right? And that's Eov. All of Eov gives that message, right? All the friends are like, you must have done this, that, this. And Eov is like, I did not. And I'm in, I'm affronted by your 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 assertion, and God is like Eov is right. All the friends are wrong, right? And therefore, says Rav Soloveitchik, you're asking the wrong question. You don't ask why did this happen, right? You ask what can I do with this experience, right? That's Rav Soloveitchik's answer. You forget about the why question. You will never know the why. You are not God, right? As as I think you know, this is a kind of simplistic way of saying it, but it's kind of true. If you knew. You would be God. You're not God, right? And there's the tapestry image, and I think it's always so important for people to. Open. Not really. I mean, wait, we wait, have wait. had prophets in the past. One second. One second. Job wait, wait, wait. Tell okay. us. Legally, prophecy aside, because prophecy is a little different, and I'm not. By the way, I, I do think there is something that that I'm going to leave it as my like question, and maybe Johnny can think through my question part of this. But let me get back to where I was. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. So. So you can't ask why, you can ask what, right? And the nicest way that, that the simplest, you know, phrase that encapsulate this, which is not in Rosalovitchik, but it's such a nice way to say it, is you don't ask lama, you ask lama, right? You don't ask why, you ask what, for what? What meaning can I make of this, right? What can, how can I take this experience and find something meaningful in it? Okay, um, and 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 Rav Soloveitchik was actually talking about uh, the Holocaust and Zionism, and he said you cannot say that the Hol- God brought the Holocaust in order to give us the state of Israel. You can say once the Holocaust happens, if we don't take this opportunity to make something meaningful out of it, such as building right, taking the opportunity to build a Jewish uh, state for the first time in three thousand years, we are wasting the opportunity, and that is um, also a um, a, 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 an almost criminal act. Now, I'm just, uh, there's a lot to say, but I won't say it because it's too much. We can talk about Tzadik Viralo for, you know, 40 minutes on its own, but I want to just add this one new perspective that I thought was really smart. Okay, yesterday I listened to a um, podcast, I, I uh, listening to Brene Brown, and she was talking to somebody named David Kessler. David Kessler is a grief expert. Um, Brene Brown is a social researcher and a vulnerability expert. Um, and they asked this question, Right. They asked the question of um, finding meaning in in tragedy and loss. And they said the same thing, which is like there's there seems to be something off about saying, right, the meaning of the loss is X. Right. There's something about that that that, that feels minimizing, trivializing, 
arrogant, um, godlike. These are all my words, not their words, right? But like, you can, how, how can you tell me what the meaning is in the loss, right? And, and the way that, that David Kessler said it, which I thought was so helpful, was you're not finding meaning in the loss. You're finding meaning after the loss. And I thought that was a really helpful way of separating, right? I'm not trying to find meaning in the experience. The experience is the experience. And the experience is, is a, an experience of grief and sorrow and tragedy and loss. And the response to grief and sorrow and tragedy and loss is to witness it for the person who's experiencing it. Witness it. That's all. That's your job. Witness their pain. After that, right, the person and you and whoever else, like the world, can say, what meaning can you make afterwards, right? Um, don't, I want to read a quote, don't use meaning seeking as a pole vault out of pain. It's not a bypass to the pain, right? Um, meaning, oh, it's not so bad because it's meant to teach us that women should be covering their hair, which actually was, a, you know, a real actual something. We heard the thing. Yes, we heard the recording. Okay. Right. Um, so people want to use the meaning as a pole vault out of the pain, right? Oh, the reason this happened is this, so I don't have to feel bad, which is exactly what the Rev says, right? He says, meaning will not take away the pain, but meaning will be the, the, the cushion. Meaning is not in the loss. The meaning is what we do after the loss. The meaning is in us, what we can create, okay? The loss is not, when I just want to finish this, the loss is not a test um, and it's not an opportunity for gratitude. Loss happens in the world. Meaning is what we do afterwards, right? And that meaning that we make is, is going to save us. And, and again, Rav Soloveitchik, if we're going back to theology, actually calls it a theological imperative. He says, if you don't make meaning out of that, right, then you're just left with, with tragedy, right, with, 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 with bad, right? But if you do make meaning out of that, that's, what, that's the whole idea. That's, what, that's how Rav Soloveitchik defines tshuva. Tshuva is not figuring out what you did wrong in a situation like this. Tshuva is, how can I make this meaningful? Um, and I think that, that to me, I'll, I'll stop here because I've been speaking for a while, but that's the lens through which we have to look at these kinds of issues. Oh, Johnny, response? You agree, disagree? You like the Rav? Um, <laughs> uh, I, th I think the Rav's distinction is absolutely crucial. Uh, it's a distinction I'm familiar with. And I know it was discussed uh, in his own words by Rav Lichtenstein in response to the Asian tsunami. There was a very, very powerful essay, or actually very powerful sicha that he delivered that was then penned into an essay that you can find online. But, you know, you know, we're just a few days away from Pesach, and it just occurred to me, I think a lot of the lessons about how we respond to suffering can be learned from Pesach, but also in the chapters prior to that. Just think about what happens when Moshe... Uh, arrives at the snare. He sees a phenomena that he can't understand. And he tries to. And what he does is, he does all he can to try and understand why something's happening. And he comes to realization that he can't. And there's something very powerful in the snare moment, where Moshe puts in the effort to try to understand, and yet comes to recognize that he can't, that only God knows. And really, his task is to see uh, uh, something which is burning with fire and do all he can to comprehend and do all he can later when it comes down to the actual message of the snare, meaning the burning, the, the affliction, the torment, the slavery of Am Yisrael, to bring redemption to those in need. I think we're in a similar situation now. I entirely agree with Mali that 
we, we need this perspective. You know, we're living in a time of social distancing. I think sometimes we need spiritual distancing. We need time to try to grapple and understand why certain things happen. That doesn't mean we will. But in the moment, we certainly won't. What is, you know, we're told that a person shouldn't try and comfort somebody whose dead is lying before them. I think we shouldn't try and understand necessarily what's happening in front of us. And certainly, simple answers are almost always wrong. And whenever we say it's just because of them and just because of that, that's certainly not only offensive, as uh, Mali said, not only is it uh, insulting, it's obviously a falsity and one should run away from people who do so. But we do, I think Ruby's right, we do need to stand, we need, do need to watch, we do need to ask that question and live with that uncertainty, with the sense that I don't know, but that botheringness, the fact that I'm troubled, the fact that I'm anxious, should stir within me the sense of saying, I can't know why this is happening. The truth be told, it's probably a waste of my time doing so because the world doesn't need a theologian right now. The world needs somebody to say, how can I make sure that my family are safe? How can I make sure the streets around my home are safe? That we can do. So I think we need to be bothered enough to wish to engage in the wise. We need to be realistic and humble enough to translate the lama into lama and then say to ourselves, what can we do to better the situation? Okay, so I want to respond to what both of you said, and of course, who am I to disagree or to not to accept the Rav and Rav, and Rav, 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 Rav Lichtenstein? But at the same time, this event has such specific aspects to it. So let's say, for example, the tsunami in, in, in Asia. It's a terrible thing. People, there's a flood. We don't really know what's going on in Asia. It was very much distance from us. But here... We're dealing with a phenomenon that seems very much to have to, to have a, a direct connection to the way that we live our global lives, to the business that we have, to the outside. And you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to use the analogy of Pesach, right? The, the analogy of the of Lil Haseder and Farvan Pesach, and each person, it, it should slap us in the face. It, it really has to, it, it has to strike you. And, not literally. And, and that being said, to me, to divorce what's the, the reality and the way that our lives have changed and try, to try to say, well, where am I to find a message in that? I, I think that's, 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 that's problematic to me, meaning... I'm gonna we're gonna come to this in a second now, but but the, the idea of like you know does it? It seems to me that that the world, God, however you want to say, it, is saying to us, like, why are you spending all this time like out running around in the world and out at night and doing this and doing that and having somebody else raise your children? Why are you sending your children out to to learn when when you should be sitting with them and and spending time with them and educating them? You know we're we're so focused on all these external things and then along comes this thing and forces literally the entire world to say stop go home sit in your houses spend time with your children if you're blessed to have them to, to ignore that fact and ignore that reality to me seems to find the face of something that's so obvious that it has to be it has to be addressed and it has to be dealt with and it has to be dealt with in a way that's saying okay if that's true then when this is over what is it going to mean for the way, the kind of decisions that we make about our lives? And it doesn't mean that, uh, God forbid, I don't know why X, Y, Z is suffering or why it happens to, has, has to 
happen to certain people and not other people in certain communities and other communities. I don't know about that. But to not to take a lesson, like in Somali you said, like, lima, for what? To me, the lama isn't, well, I'm going to, you know, we should have shorter shaitos. That, that seems obscene. The lama has to be related to the lama, not to lama, to the lama. Yeah, Johnny wants to respond. So, so I'd say you've said two important things. Number one is you've internalized and personalized the lama. You've said, this is how I see what I can draw from this lesson. I'd say every person should endeavor to do that. That's admirable. And in this case, you said as a parent with children, you see a silver lining in this really difficult time. You get to spend more time with children. I too am blessed to be in that situation. And I too perhaps can see that. Nevertheless, I know people... Well, I, I don't know like if I would me. say it. I'm so great at it, I think. And, and not just parents, but I'm saying there's much more than that. Which I, 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 I hear that, but let, let's say I, I'm more of an introvert. So for me, staying at home for a few, for a few days, even a few weeks is like, I'm, I'm used to doing that. I know for some people who don't have children, some people who are extroverts, some people who need to get out, some people who right now haven't got money to put food on the table, being at home is hell. The silver lining is really, really, really hard to see. And sure, they for sure need to ask themselves the same question of Lama. What I take offense to, and I know you're not saying that, is when a person, whomever they be, points their finger and says, it's because of this, meaning we make universal claims of why this happens, we rather than encouraging people to reflect, Lama, maybe there are things that I, in my life that I can recalibrate for the betterment of my life given this difficulty. That's, yeah, but Johnny, that's I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it only personally. I'm saying it on a communal level, on a, on a national level. I mean, and I really mean this in a very serious way, you know, on a, on a professional level, like on a priorities level, all, all of these. All of these things are, like you said, lima are, are questions that it's not just Bruce Bolter or Johnny Solomon or Molly Brofsky asking, but Jewish communities asking, countries asking, nations asking. And, and I think those are very legitimate questions. And then I, I think that's where I missed the Naviv. That somebody could come along and say, you're, you're like, not you an individual, this is, your community has gone astray. You know, like we don't have, I, I feel like who are Naviv are Gedolim. We don't have Gedolim who are willing to come along, come along and say, this is where we have to focus our priorities, and our, this is where we have to push our political leaders to change. We have to do X, Y, and Z, because it's obvious that this is a problem. Molly has been uh, okay. chopping at the so First of all, I think what you're saying, you're basically saying what we're saying. It's just that we're, what we're telling you is that it's very important the way you frame the question and the answer, right? Meaning, you exactly what you're saying is what, what Johnny and I are talking about. It's like, Ruby, what's the meaning for you? And your answer is... The meaning for me, and I also believe the meaning for a, a community, something we can take out of this, something we can do with this, is slow down, is uh, disconnect, is, is, is turn in, is to be with our families. That's a meaning that I, Ruby Spolter, um, am making from this experience. And I think that as a community, we should take that meaning. The important thing, and I think Johnny is right, is to say, and you, you said yourself, it's like, you're like, I don't have the, like, you are to say that I understand God and why he did this 100%, right? And it, because, because you can't. And, and, and it's, again, it's theologically and ethically wrong to put yourself, I believe, to put yourself in the business and say, I know why God did this, right? But to say a message. Wait, I'm, I'm not saying I know why he did it. I wanna, I can I say, he, I, I think he's sending me a message? He is. He definitely is. I, I want to say something else, which maybe also is a helpful 
frame because I found it very helpful. This is a, a less known Rav Soloveitchik where he talks about Tamei Mitzvot. It's at the very end of Halachic Mind, actually. Um, and he talks about, or there's always a classic question, are you even allowed to look for, forget about uh, meaning and suffering, right? The, 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 the medieval Jewish philosophers asked, are you allowed to look for meaning and mitzvot, right? Am I allowed to say I know why God told me, certainly Chukin told me to keep uh, kashras? Am I allowed to give the meaning for that, right? This even, right? Am I allowed to say I think I know why God gave me Shabbos, right? So we understand the yeses and the noes, right? The yeses are because I want to find these Mitzvot meaningful. Why that should I keep Shabbos if I can't figure out why? Which is like your impulse, um, Ruby, right? Like if I can't understand that Shabbos is there to do X, Y, and Z for me, then it just becomes rote and meaningless, and that's not what God wants. At the same time, right? Um, we understand the danger of well, the reason that Hashem gave us kashras is because it was all about the hygiene, right? Oh well, then today when we have maybe we don't we don't need kashras anymore, and 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 right, and we basically we 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 decide that we know what God wants and there's a tremendous danger in that. So Rav Soloveitchik says something absolutely brilliant, I think, right? He says, when you when you think about Tamei mitzvot, and this is, it's a very subtle, but I think it's extremely profound. He says, when when I, let's say, when he uses the Rambam as an example, right? And he actually says the Rambam was more successful in the Mishnah Torah than he is in the Moran Avuchim, because in the Moran Avuchim, he seems to imply about certain things that this is the reason why God gave the mitzvot, and the Rav says, that doesn't really work. It doesn't, it's not really a successful endeavor. He says, however, in the Mishnah Torah, the Ramam's language is very different. He says, the Ramam's language in the Mishnah Torah is, um, I don't know, I can't, I can't figure out why the full reason, right, why God gave the mitzvot. It's not like I understand. It's not like um, the reason you're not allowed to cross the street in the middle of the, you know, not on jaywalk is because of X, Y, Z reason. And once I know the reason, so then if nobody's coming, I can jaywalk, right? He says the, the language of the, uh, in the Mishnah Torah is ta'am yesh davar, even though it's a chok, even though we don't fully understand, ta'am yesh davar. I can, I can like, I think the example he uses is tshuva, like, right? Like like the shofar, right? The uru yeshenim itarjem right? Like, he's not saying, the Rambam the there isn't saying the reason Hashem makes us blow the shofar is only and exclusively for this reason. He's saying one of the things that perhaps God is, is, um, is, 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 is moving us towards is this, but... And maybe it's even directly tied, which is what I feel like you're trying to say. It's like you want to find a direct tie, right? Like, like again, why did God give us Shabbos, right? So, like, so many reasons you could give, but you could talk about rest. You could talk about 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 a break. You could talk about well, you could talk about all the says God gave you Shabbos so that you should believe that God created the world. Correct. You could talk about the reason because God created the world. There's so many reasons, but what you can also say is. These reasons are perhaps pieces of a larger reason, right? But I'm not, I don't think that because I have the reason, I now know the full reason and I've exhausted the depth of the mitzvah. This mitzvah has its roots in the divine. And once it has its roots in the divine, it has pieces that I cannot possibly fathom. And it's beyond my understanding. I can see shades of truth and I can see shades of meaning. And I can even go as far as you want to go, Ruby, and say, I think they're actually directly connected in there with a lot of humility, right? That's much easier to do with good things. With bad things, you have more theological problems. But certainly, right, this kivun of like, maybe God is trying to tell me something, maybe, right? But, but that humility of saying, I'm only seeing a little piece. 
I'm not saying that I have the full answer to that. 100%. Answer. Johnny, are you willing to, Johnny, are you willing to accept that God is telling us something? Uh, I think a, per a person of faith has to accept that God is always talking to them. I mean, oh, okay. So then let me ask you, you, you know what I think. What is God trying to tell you? Well, you know, let me revert back to to what Marty was saying just for a second. Because, okay, but I, no, I'd I'd like, like, I'd, I'm very curious to hear the answer to this question. Okay, firstly, I just I just want to say that brought a smile to my face when Marty was responding back to you and, and her exact words were, what is the meaning for you? And there was something very haggadic about it, right? I hear the words. Well, you think you're talking about the Chacham. Wait, 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 which wait, 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 and I, I'd like to give a kind of, shall we say, a, a modern midrash on this. When we say, when a person makes a statement that the reason why this is happening to you collectively, but doesn't ask themselves, why is this happening mm -hmm. to me particularly? That's the moment where a person transitions from being a curious hakam to a problematic rasha. Uh, so yeah. it's okay to ask the questions, like I said, Moshe the snare. It's right to, when you see phenomena you don't understand to ask, what is God saying to me? I think anybody who's faith, of faith must be doing that. Nevertheless, a person of faith also needs to know that God is bigger than them. And as a result of that, there are certain things they're still going to have to leave, not quite knowing. But nevertheless, the right thing to do is rather than say the collective universal message of this, for which I can't speak for the collective or the universal. My job is to say, my job is to ask myself, what does it say to me here? What is the message uh, for me particularly? As I mentioned to you, listen, every person has to ask themselves, what have they gained and what have they lost over the past three weeks? Let's be clear, right now I'm living in a fairly comfortable home. Baruch Hashem, I'm healthy with a family who Baruch Hashem are healthy and they should continue to be so. I don't have to leave my home. I have food, mostly in the cupboard, with the rare exception of having, having to pop out. You know, and thank God I'm relatively busy. We've taken a bit of a knock economically. But when I look at that, I ask myself, that may be bad, but I know that other people are suffering more. So what lessons do I learn? Uh, the answer is I have the luxury of, of asking myself, how can I better my life given the comforts that I have, including, for example, as you say, spending time with my children, which is important, spending more time learning, which I've been doing uh, even more, trying to get up earlier and going to bed later, and I've been maximizing that time, trying to help people and reach out to people, and the wonders of technology has allowed that. I get that luxury right now because of my current situation, although... I understand, Jenny, but you don't seem to be answering my question. You don't seem to be answering my question. My question is... If you believe that God is sending a message to you, and you can you can answer this, you don't have to answer this personally, Johnny Solomon. Johnny Solomon, as as educator, as rabbinic leader, what, how, what is God saying to you? What what are you what 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 is he saying? What is this thing saying to you? You want you want to think about it and come back? I, you know, You know what? Come back to me, but I, 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 I'm reluctant, not because I don't have things to say, but I don't want to know what's necessarily what I think God's saying to me has any relevance to, truth be told, a listener, even, even to yourselves. And, it, and, it, and I don't mean that in a kind of arrogant, but on the contrary. I think, I think people who think that God is knocking on their private door to teach them personalized messages 
need to know that God knows them, right? Okay, as a result so, of that, so, but I'm asking you, so I'm, I'd like you to say <laughs> no, I'm serious. So come back to me, okay. come back to me. You so know, I want to pivot, because this is where I want to pivot, because uh, to quote um, uh, our Prime Minister, Bibi Netanyahu, when this first thing, the whole thing began, the way he framed it was, our entire lives are going to change. I mean, you have to, everything you knew until now is going to be different. So I want to I want to focus on something that's two things that have been that have been they're like in my head and I don't know the solution to these things but like just this week Israel started to think about talking about how we're going to gradually come out of this and and I personally I, I, I want to say I'm a realist when it comes to human nature and our inclination is just going to be to to try to get back to exactly where we were and everything to go back to the way that it was and to me that would be very very distressing. And, and the first thing that struck me, that's obvious to me, and it's obvious to all of us, is, is we've been kicked out of shul. We've been kicked out of our communal worship experiences. And finally and surely, I've been kicked out of Minion as well. Molly, you could feel better. We've been kicked out of Minion as well. Even, you know, the Ministry of Health, no, no Minyanin. That, so that to me, so for, for me to say that I'm not going to take a message from that is, is, is criminal in my mind. So... To me, what, like, I have to ask myself, and sometimes, or very often, the answer is not a good one. Is davening, is our communal prayer a religious experience anymore? Is it beneficial? Is it a worship experience? You know, has the road of it and the community of it and the whatever you want to call it, has it so overtaken us that, you know, that Akash Baruch Hu said, you know, why don't you all go home for a little while? Think about how you're going to do this, and when you're ready, come back to me and we'll try again. But my fear is two things. We're just going to go back and continue to do what we did. And I also don't exactly, I have my own personal ideas, but I don't exactly know what it is that I want to be different. How do I want things to change? You know, and I have my own inclinations. I'm, I'm, if you, I'm happy, I'm not so happy to share them. I would share them. That's one, one thing. One, in the communal prayer. The second thing is, obviously, communal education. You know, all of our kids are learning. Like, you know, Johnny, you teach in a very different way than many other people teach. But we, like, we never stop to ask ourselves, you know, our kids are going to school the same way that we went to school. And, and we never, like, my daughter, she got an assignment from her teacher to, to learn a certain, a certain chapters of Nabi. And, and the teacher said, okay, read this Sikum and we're going to do it online. And my wife was like, what do you mean read the Sikum? Let's read the Prakim together. And like, and they sat, and they, and my wife sat with her. She, she has a lot more patience than I do. They read four prakim, and my my daughter at the end said, "My, my, my Shimshon had a terrible life. It was so hard for him. Like she really like she was moved. She was crying at the end. And then like I know for a fact that if she was in school, they would have done the sikum and had just had not learned in any way the same way that she learned when she was at home. And I'm not saying because of our house or whatever. I'm just saying like, have we stopped to think that school? might not be, be, be the best way to do the things that we're doing. I'm, I'm, I don't, this one is like huge. I don't have the answer to that. But we're all going to go back and send our kids to the same schools and the same things. And, and that seems to me like... How, and there are, these are just two small examples. And there are other examples that we can bring up. So Molly, I'd like you to... like The thing that, that strikes me that you've said also, you've said a number of occasions uh, that... You don't enjoy going to davening in in, in Alon Shmuel. You'd like to have another minion. You'd enjoy it. So it just it's so interesting. I read a piece by Chamutal Shoval, I think, or by or either I think Chamutal Shoval, and she's 
I met her through our Torah Stone, and she's an educator in Bravaders, in in, uh, in uh, Lindenbaum, right? Not Bravaders, in Midrash Lindenbaum. And she wrote this thing in Mukovishon that I can share with you if you want. She said the one thing that she's been enjoying about the communal tefillot of Resume is that she's a full participant in the davening. That when they have a communal prayer, it's not a minion, but she can hear and she can sing and she can hear the whole community and she's a full participant. Whereas in her own shul, she can't hear and she can't see. And so I, I said to my wife last night, how is it that I'm going to go back after this to the same shul where you can't hear anything? And you're like not even an afterthought in the communal davening. How, am I going to let that happen? And it was, I, 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 the answer might very well be yes, but it's bothering me a lot. Molly, yeah, well, you're going to go I, back I, to the same thing? No, I think what you're saying is exactly, um, you're, what you're doing is you're living and you're expressing exactly what I, what I was trying to point out, which is, first of all, I think you're right. And I think people are, it's starting to dawn on people that the world we're going to go back to is not going to be the world that we that we knew. Wait, I'm, I'm, my point is, I'm afraid that it is. Right, one second. I agree with you. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, 100%. 100%. 100%. Unless we do something yes, about it. Unless we 100%. have these conversations. Okay, so that's what I wanted to say. That's what really like, what I wanted to talk about is yes, this point exactly. Yes, okay. So I think there's a lot, there, there needs to be a lot of acknowledgement of that and space for the grief and even the mourning of, of like, we're going to lose the world that we knew. Now, what you're saying, Ruby, I think is one of the answers, which is, and this, um, I recommend, if, if you haven't seen this, everybody should watch Natan Sharansky's little video about how he survived um, being in Bidud and isolation uh, and solitary confinement. And he gave, he gave his, his ways of coping and managing. And one of the things he said there, and I'll explain to you why this is connected, he, and again, these are my words, not his words, but he said, shift your locus of control from external to internal, right? Don't say, well, I'll be happy when they let me out of Bidud. Say, what can I do to make this experience while I'm in it? How can I take control and make it as meaningful for myself and find my hobbies and find my meaning and all kinds of other things? Meaning, in terms of what you're saying, Ruby, it's like there are going to be a lot of things about the world we're going to go to that aren't going to be like the world we knew that are not in our control. But what you're saying, Ruby, is maybe we can make the world that we go to um, different from the world that we came from better in ways that we can control. And that's a tremendous opportunity, and that's a tremendous way to make meaning. But that's a, it, what you're saying is exactly the answer, is like mm -hmm. what you're saying is, I want, to, I want to be an active participant in shaping this new world that we're going to go into and find a meaning so that we can make that new place a, a better place and to grow from this experience and not just to suffer from this experience. And it's a challenge and it's an opportunity, right? And you're laying it out on the table and you're saying, listen, people, here's what the places where I find, um, I would like to make it more meaningful, right? You took two places, prayer and education. And you're saying, who else feels this? Who wants to join me? Right. And, and can we together make this new world better and not just not just go back to the old bad habits of the past and i think those are amazing questions and i think that's really powerful i think it's going to take work right i think it's going to take thought and conversation and not just those things but commitment right it's like what you're saying ruby the most important thing is commitment like i'm committed to this to, to making this meaning right this is this is the meaning i want to grab I want to grab meaning in Tfila, and I want to grab meaning in education, and I want to make sure that happens. Because if we just go back to our home, 
we're going to go back to the way things work for sure in terms of our habits. And so like, yeah, so let's have those conversations. You're right. Like what, you know, like, wait, what did we learn? How can we hold on to it? How do we practically translate that into real positive, healthy, effective change? Right. I think you're asking all the right questions. And I think we have to do the work, the hard work of, of, of translating those into answers. Right. And maybe even now to start thinking about those things. Right. You're 100 percent right. Like maybe these should be the conversations like like, wait, what, what are you learning? What am I learning? What is working for me? What, what, what is that? Is that transferable into that next new world? If we start thinking now and, we be, and we're committed to, to putting it into action in the future, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right? That's exactly the meaning making that I'm talking about, what you're doing. The only difference is that I'm saying, I, I think we have to just not fall into the trap of saying, you know, God is saying that we should do X, Y, and Z. I don't know what God is saying. I certainly don't fully know what God is saying, but I don't, I don't, I, I leave that question aside. I don't ask that question. I ask what, what, do, and I'm not leaving God out of the equation. What do I think God wants me to do? Me, Ruby, right? But not Lachem Lee. What do I think of Kaddish Baruch Hu is telling me, right? My tafkid is right now. Me, Ruby, not, not the, me, and to make me- I want this to be like our like our therapy session, which is very much like it, like it is, Molly. Like I, I would love you to address my question. You know what I'm saying? And the justification, good. And it's fine. Johnny, do you understand what I'm saying? What did you say? I mean, he said he didn't want it to be a a, a therapy session, but not, you know, but I, I want to kind of what I'm feeling like it is. Like it's not about me per se. I want to I want to I want the discussion to happen. Like, so, okay, you know. so fine. So let's have the discussion. We okay? So our our schools. Focus on I, I can't change education system. I'm like, okay, okay, so you want to talk about Tfilah? Yeah, okay, I do. So what are we learning about Tfilah? We're definitely learning that... that, that me, me and like Lexi say to me, like, the rabbis said, they really, and I, they were right, don't come to Shul. Don't dive in a minion. Stop diving in a minion. It's not that important. They said that, correct? Right. They said that over and over okay, and over so, again. Okay, so my answer to that You can't is... then turn around on a dime and say, oh, okay, we can all come back now. Well, wait, so I agree. Now, so, then, so then I think what we do have to learn, I think, okay, I'll be practical is we have to learn how to make tefillah meaningful for us, right? I took now, Ravdov, my son brought home Ravdov Zinger's book about tefillah off the shelf, and mm-hmm. I'm learning it. And it's all about, it's basically to me, I'm sorry to go back into therapy language, but it's all about mindfulness and meditation. Davening in a mindful way. It's about returning presence and awareness of God into my individual tefillah. And maybe that's what you're right, which is to take a break, learn how to connect personally to God, and then go back into our shuls with each of us having a much deeper understanding of our souls connecting to God, right? I think you're right. That's that's definitely one piece of it. Then there's okay. the piece. There's the woman piece, right? There's the seeing each other during tefillah piece. There's the seeing each other's needs during tefillah piece. There's the how do we create a space where everybody feels included piece. That's huge for me, as you said, in terms of of my experience over over um, this past year, being seen in shul, not necessarily literally, you know, in terms of men and women and mechitz and all that, but being seen in the sense of like of a feeling part of, of, of my needs being acknowledged. I, I, you know, all these things, I, just, I think, should be part of the new conversation. Yeah, Johnny. I, I, I want I want to uh, in a moment talk about Shechian and for for good reason, but I just want to mention this question of being seen and being heard. For many people, their said in next week will be a crushing blow because they'll be used to having 
family, they'll be looking forward to having family, they won't have that. And that will hurt them, and that will pain them, and there's nothing we can do about them other than to tell them that what they're doing, even though it's tough, is the right thing to do. However, there will be families, perhaps, who've often had very, very large sedarim, who for the first time will have a small seder where some kids will be heard that ordinarily weren't heard, where some husbands or wives will be able to speak when ordinarily they're running around because they're playing host. So lots of things are changing. And you know, some of those families will say, you know, we were dreading this, but actually having just three of us or five of us or seven of us, right, is so much more pleasant, so much more relaxing than trying to run a hotel in our home and not actually being able to sit down and enjoy the Seder. So there are lots of things, of course, that will be changed. Some people, again, have find it very, very difficult. For other people, they've found silver linings and other people may well wish to change their habits for the future. But let me just give you a further example. As you know, I'm a big advocate, I'm a big uh, ambassador for the Shechianu Bracha, right? And it's because I think the Bracha can tell us many, many important things. One of those, of course, is valuing the sense of friendship. Now, there's a din. If you haven't seen a friend for 30 days, you say Shechianu. There are many, many good friends I simply haven't seen for the last almost 30 days. Many people, at least, you know, simply don't say this bracha. They say, well, we never really feel it. And when you haven't seen a friend for a while, whatever. I think a lot more people in a few weeks' time, Be'ezrat Hashem, when this situation changes, when they see close friends for the first time, not only will want, but they should be saying this bracha. We're not trying to innovate anything here. This is halacha mufuresh. This is clearly stated halacha. There are certain things we need to appreciate more, such as friends whom we haven't had a chance to spend time with. There are certain things we need to appreciate more about the ability, for example, to go out to work and be able to earn a living. Some people who are simply not able to do that. So levels of appreciation of the day-to-day things which some of us sometimes take for granted, I think will be heightened. And of course, it's critical that we hold on to that as best as possible. They'll naturally, just we talk about flattening the curve, there'll be a flattening of that sense of awareness of how precious those things are. But we need to do all we can to remember these times and say, gosh, how precious are this family? How blessed am I if I have a, a roof over my head or I've got food on the table, right? How blessing is it if I have work or I'm able to return to work? And those who haven't, how much should I be spending time now, if you have those, to helping those in need who are not just having difficulty at this moment in time, but that's likely to continue for the foreseeable future? Tony, okay, I'm, I'm sorry to push this, but, well, I'm not so sorry. My point about communal <laughs> prayer, does that resonate with you at all? Do you see that as something that, that, that there's a message in that, that we have to work on, or, or no, you, don't, you, don't, you don't identify with that? I'll tell no. I'll tell you what I identify in terms of communal prayer, and 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 uh, you know I know where you daven because we used to daven in the same shul. And, and yeah, but you mean I I live in a nice shul, but I run around a lot in the week, and it means I have numerous different places where I pray. Right, a couple of mornings a week I pray in uh, I pray in a chassidish shtibel. Other days of the week I pray in my modati uh, tzioni religious shul here in Evan Shmuel. Other times I'm I'm praying on my own because I'm in between classes between yeshivot and seminaries, and that means. My my makom kavua is is a broad place which encapsulates many many different populations. I miss that desperately. Not only I miss the interactions with people, but also I miss that sense of diversity I encounter within the religious setting, which for me actually is very very important and represents, shall we say, a part of whom I am. The fact that the only person I'm diving with is me. That to me is both an opportunity for introspection, but also it's a problem because 
through those other people, I'm reminded of other people. I'm reminded of other needs, right? Other tones, other cultures, right? Which I think is very, very important. There are many, many th things we can learn from this situation. But don't forget, there's also sometimes a problem when you spend so much time with yourself that you think that you are the only voice of reason in the room, right? And so that certainly is a, a hole in my life. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to the time when we can bring that back in terms of communal prayer itself. Sure, of course, it's, it's something which is significant to me. Uh, and, and I miss it. Then, and I think you're right. There are lessons that we can learn, lessons we should learn, and truth is manifestos we should be writing now when we are most aware of that contrast between where we are and where we would like to be and say, what can we do for the future in terms of weekday prayers and Shabbat prayers to make them more inclusive, right? What can we do to make sure that uh, our spiritual needs are being met. Maybe you need to slow down the pace of davening. I'm sure people who generally pray at a weekday minion, you know, perhaps a commuter's minion, which is like 25 minutes, run, run, run. Those people who've been davening at home, I hope some of them have been taking a little bit more time. Maybe that too will change. But as I mentioned before, each person has their own lessons. For me, it's because I pray in different places. That's part of my picture that's missing. For other people, it's to do the speed. For other people, it's to do with their particular makom or the balt filler that, that downs. For other people, it's but now they can hear the prayers that they can't. For other people, they may feel that the, the, the sense of collective uh, unity that comes from being in a place where being surrounded by others. And even if they're praying and, and trying to chime with other online people praying, there's something severely missing. And the simple blessing of having, you know, somebody tap you on the shoulder and say, how you're doing? Who, you know, I miss that too. So there are loads of things, of course, that I think each of us are, are, uh, are aware which aren't present in our lives. And I think that we can do more to refine our lives and better our lives individually and communally uh, after this plague is please God over as quickly as possible. Um, and we, and I should say, and not that I need to be saying this, I know all of us are on the same page, only because other people listen to this. I, I mentioned about the blessing of being able to live uh, and, and, uh, and feel safe in my home. There are doctors, there are nurses, there are paramedics, there are people who are in essential services who don't have that and who are going out to work and putting themselves at risk on a daily basis to try and help people. And I can tell you that my admiration for them has always been there, but it's increased so, so much. And just want to take the opportunity to say thank you to those for whom we are all in our debt. Well said. Molly, do you want to add anything? No, I think that's a good place to end. Okay. Uh, I want to thank you all for having this discussion with me. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, if you have comments or questions, feel free to email us. You can reach us all on our Facebook page. It's just search for RZ Weekly. I want to wish uh, both you, Molly, and Johnny, a chag kasher v'sameach. Should be a young du'ula, not just for us, but the Jewish people of the entire world.